The following shiur has been presented by Rabbi Yehoshua Sova, Rabbi of Kehillat Shari Ezra, Miami Beach, Florida. For more shiurim or information, please visit vshc.org or call 1-844-200-TSHC. That's 1-844-200-8742. Ezrat Hashem, we will discuss in this week's parasha that of Hashad Vayera, where Avraham Avinu is met by the three Malachim that HaKadosh Baruch sent him. And in Perek Chet, Pasuk Yud Chet, it says, Vaykach Chema Vechalav, and he took butter and milk, and towards the cow Avraham ran towards. And the Yarot Devash, Rabbi Yonatan Aibshitz, he's quick to point out that the reason why Avraham Avinu did that, by serving Chalav and Basar, is that they had the option of not choosing to eat these two together. They could have Chalav first, and then Basar. They could have cleaned out and Kinuach Vahadacha, they could have cleaned out their mouths and not had the 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 basad right after the chema v'chalav. However, he says that they didn't, and it says when they ate and it was nisraf befiv, like the midrash says, that actually got burnt in their mouth. That means that there were mevashel basad v'chalav, and there it says Rabbi Yonatan It's a beautiful interpretation of the play on the words. The Mishnah Navot tells us in en kemach en Torah that we usually use that to mean that if there is no parnasaf, a person doesn't have a livelihood, they cannot sustain themselves and they cannot learn Torah. However, says Rabbi Yonatan Ibshitz, no. Im ein kemach, if not for the kemach of Avraham Avinu, because it says, vaykach kemach, it says he gave, he, he asked for kemach to be served, this flour to be served for the cakes. And if not for the kemach of Avraham Avinu, in Torah, we would not have gotten the Torah. Why? Because the Midrash tells us that Moshe Rabbeinu told the Malachim, you say that Torah is to know Hadchad you should give all the glory to heaven. And how could HaKadosh Baruch give the Torah, which is in its pristine sense, to such lowly human beings? How could that be? Do you have a father? Do you keep Shabbat? Do you have a Ritzichah? Do you have any of these mitzvot that the Torah talks about? And it says that, the Midrash says that Avram, that Moshe Rabbeinu's face turned to that of Avram Avinu. And he said, and you tell me that you kept the Torah the whole time? What are you talking about? When you had the Torah... You yourself didn't keep it. When you visited me, I myself saw that you ate basar v'chalav. And says the malachim or shotkim, they were quiet. And Moshe Rabbeinu was minatzeach. He was able to be victorious with that, that complaint, saying that the Jewish people deserve to have the Torah. Therefore, says Rabbi Yonatan Abshitz, im en kemach, en Torah. If there is no kemach, there is no Torah whatsoever. So we'd like to discuss a little bit about this idea of malachim. First of all, these malachim that we're talking about, who were they? Why were they visiting Abraham Avinu? What was the purpose in that? And they ate. So what does that have to do with further down, later on the line, almost 500 years later, when the Jewish people wanted to accept the Torah? So what happened, happened. And especially, there's a discussion in the Parashat Terachim about whether or not Abraham Avinu was even Jewish. So if you say he's not Jewish, it's not even, nothing to talk about even right now. So what exactly is going on? What type of malachim are we talking about? So, Malachim Bechlal, we have to understand, there's a fantastic book from Reb Pinchas Taylor from Mosaica Press, where he talks about the, uh, various mysterious items, and one of them is he talks about the, uh, is the topic of angels. And he says that we have something of Malachim being Shiluchim. They are messengers that are carrying out a purpose of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. 
And he brings out, fascinatingly, there's a whole discussion about how could we find that certain malachim, and then the parashat Noach, that they came down from Shemaim, they were called B'nei Elohim, that they were the, the ancestors of great giants, because they gave off a DNA of superhumans. How were they able to give that off? So they gave that off because they're actually malachim that fell. Nephilim is they fell from Shemaim and they got married to women and they had children. And how are they nofel? How did they fall? It says because they were making fun of people succumbing to the temptation of immorality. HaKadosh Baruch Hu says, you'll see it's not an easy temptation at all. And they fell from Shemaim and they actually, the thing that they made fun of, they themselves were nechshalim. And the resulting children were giants of men and women. They were very, very tall and very mighty because they inherited from their ancestors this DNA, Kavichol, of tremendous spirituality. Now, how could that be? A malach could fall. What does that even mean? So the Mepharshim explained what it means is it's sort of like a, a cyborg or a robot that you put in a certain program and you press go. It sometimes may misinterpret what was programmed in it or it just may have a glitch inside of the system that it'll... See process something and the process process the processing of it is going to cause it to do something erratic but not that it's going against the son hashem of course the malach will never think to go against the son hashem so over here it seems to be that their erratic behavior was either they didn't fully understand what it was that they were doing to somehow make a tikkun or whatever it was but these malachim are in essence their messengers from Hakadosh baruch Hu. there are many times that we find that there is an expression of Malachim. When were they created? Were they created on Yom Sheni? When the, the when we say Shamayim, there was the heavenly sphere, and then there was Mayim Ba'aretz. Is that the time that the Malachim were created? According to one Shittah of Yochanan in the Medrash Rabbah, Aleph Kimmel, it says that, yes, indeed, they were created on Yom Sheni. However, Rabbi Hanina says, no, they were created on Yom Hamishi, because that's when Of Yofif that the, the birds who were now, any winged cre- creature was now flying the land was on Yom Chamishi. So Malachim also have wings. So since they have this apparatus of wings, they are included in that of the creations of Yom Chamishi. So we see from here that Malachim are, you want to call angels, but they're, in essence, they're really Shluchim. They are a, a, a bitui, a representation of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And this Rabbi Taylor, he wanted to say a fascinating idea. He says, just like we find that although technically Malachim, there are no, there is no physical makeup of them, there's no physical sense of them, rather they're a spiritual manifestation of a certain type of energy from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And he brings a little bit of a scientific spin to this, that he says, it's not their existence, but he says, just like Malachim have no mass, and Malachim could go right through solid objects without being blocked, he says, we find this also with photons and the up-down quarks that make up neutrons, protons, and neutrinos, that they also have no mass. And neutrinos could go straight through solid mass, just like a malach could. And just like you see, there are existence of such particles in the physical world. That's what the Torah is telling us, that you could have that parallel in the spiritual worlds as well. I heard a, a fascinating idea from a refined Rakshan Shlita that he said, when it says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Mezavek Zivugim, what does HaKadosh Baruch Hu do now? He makes pairs. What does it mean? So simple meaning is he makes pairs. He makes pairs of people having Shalom Bayit, people coming together. That's what HaKadosh Baruch Hu does. But says, or Ephraim Waxman, I don't know who he got this from, but he says, no, is he makes the protons, neutrons, and all the different various atoms to be bound together to make up mass and to make up how the world can 
still thrive and survive. And that is the Zavik Zivukim. He's putting all these conglomerates together and they're moving and going back and forth. And that's what is going on right now. So a Malach, in essence, is more spiritual than that in physical. Yet we find that there are spiritual elements to it. So we have to say that there is a concept we love giving the concept that the Chovat Halevavot brings. He says, just like it's impossible to explain to a blind person the color blue, and you can't explain to a deaf person what a, a drum and a horn sounds like, the difference in sound and pitch. He says the same thing also, explaining to people who don't understand Davar Ruchani, they don't understand spirituality, to explain it in a physical sense is almost impossible. Because we lack the ability to really understand and fathom what it is that you're trying to express. So we say something that sort of is, has a yeshuva dat that we can sort of kind of understand and wrap our heads around it. Therefore we say the malachim, they have wings. So it means that they're able to go from one place to another very quickly and they're able to go above and beyond what the limitations that a human can. But the fact of the matter is, is that these malachim have a certain form that they comprise, they're comprised of when they come down into this world to show that although they have a spiritual essence totally, yet they also have a physical capacity as well. Like we find here in this is parasha, that when the Malachim came to visit Avraham Avinu, they were dressed up a certain way, and they came to inform him of different things. Now, who said what? We know there are four Malachim that usually are the four arc, they would call archangels, the ones who are like in charge of all the Malachim who are underneath them. And these four Malachim, they surround the Kisei HaKavah Baruch Hu. And they are Michael, Gabriel, Raphael, and Oriel. And Michael and Gabriel are usually the ones that are most prominently mentioned uh, most of the time. And we find that Michael, the Midrash tells us, he's the one that visits Avram Avinu after his Bet Milah. Michael means Kimo Kel, just like HaKadosh Baruch Hu. That's Michael who announced that Yitzchak is going to be the upcoming child. And Michael and Gabriel, they were there to be a dim, to sign off that the Bechorah that Esav sold to Yaakov is 100% valid. And they also brought, they accompanied HaKadosh Baruch Hu when he came down to Har Sinai to say the Aserat HaDibrot, or at least the first two. And it was also Michal and Gabriel that refused to take the Nishama of Moshe Rabbeinu when it was time to die. They felt that as long as Moshe Rabbeinu is still on planet Earth, he has so much to do and they didn't want to take him away. These Malachim they consist of fire and water, or according to other people, they have the elements of mercy, strength, beauty, and dominion. And that corresponds to water, fire, earth, and air. And just like every nation has its malach, it has its sado, it has its officer, Michael is considered the guardian of Klal Yisrael. And when we say Michael, it means HaKadosh Baruch Hu in a sense. And Michael is the one... The Malach who called out Avram Avinu and told him, Avram, Avram, and he told him, no, don't, don't, sh- don't do shkita on your son. And he's also the one who told Sarah that she's going to give birth to a baby boy. He's the one that rescued Avram Avinu from the furnace. He protected Yaakov from Lavan. And he's the one that is always the advocate on behalf of Ben Israel that, that they shouldn't go into exile, they shouldn't have anything bad to them. And he fights against the Satan, uh, not only now, but also when the Satan said that they should be destroyed. And by the Yamsuf, because they also worship idols in Egypt, and he's also the one who defended the Jews in Persia, in Paras Madai, when Haman tried to destroy them. So you see, he's basically our biggest advocate. So that is Michael. 
Gabriel, which means HaKadosh Baruch has strength. He's the one that you need strength in order to have his mission fulfilled. And that is, Gabriel, for example, is the one that he flipped over Sodom. Again, this is Parasha. He's the one that protected Yosef from being Mizanel with Esha Potiphar. And also, he taught him 70 languages. He was also the one that caused Moshe Rabbeinu to cry like a baby, that Bitya had a tremendous amount of mercy on him to save him. And as well, Gabriel was the one that when Moshe Rabbeinu was a young child, and he was about to reach out and touch the gold, Gabriel came and pushed his hand to that of the smoking coals that were golden red, and he touched that to spare his life. Uh, the Gemara tells us when Shlomo HaMelech married Bat Paro, Gabriel came and took a reed and stuck it into the sea of the Mediterranean, and a mud bank gathered around it, and eventually the city of Rome was built around that reed. Some people say that's why Italy has that that very unique boat, uh, boot shape, because it's actually from a long reed that Malach Gabriel brought from there. Uh, Gabriel is also the one who put simanim on the tzaddikim of Shalim, that the, at the time, of the, the time of the Korban, they were saved. Also, Gabriel represents fire, and he's the one who went into the fire to save Hanani, Mishal, and Azariah. And he was also the one who stopped Vashti from coming in front of Rachash which led to the Jewish people being saved. And the Medrash continues, it says that Gabriel is also the one who's going to lead the souls into the body of Tzadikim, and he's going to want be the one that's going to lead the hunt against the Leviathan when it comes to Sudat HaShem Mashiach, and it's obviously some, somebody, some Malach of great character. The next Malach is that of Raphael. Raphael also came, he was one of the three Malachim, it was Michael, Gabriel, and Raphael. And Raphael, when he came, he was primarily there to heal Avraham Avinu from the Berit Milah of it being after the third day, which is the most painful. And this name, Raphael, is, uh, 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 the Zohar says, he's, he's uh, the Malach who mostly dominates in the morning hours, which brings anyone who's sick and suffering some form of nechama, some sort of wherever a person may be. Now, the last one is not as known as much, because like we said, it was only three malachim that visited Avraham Avinu, so most people know those three. But the fourth one is Uriel, which is the light of Hashem, and this is which the knowledge of Hashem came to man, and the Medrash says, why was he called Uriel? Because Torah Nevi Muktuvim, by which HaKadosh Baruch Hu is Mechapera Avonot Shalkal Yisrael, he gives Ora Shal Yisrael. So the Or, the light, is Borei Olam, that we mentioned Oriel a few times also here to remind us of the tremendous power of this Koach, of this Malach. Now there are other Malachim that obviously uh, we can't go into greater detail about them, but there are other Malachim that are mentioned in various places throughout not only Shas, but also in the Zohar, multiple places as well. Each one has a specific function. And we know that we have a Misorah that Chanoch, he became the Malach Memtet, Memtetet, uh, or more famously known as Matataron, but we try to avoid saying that, so we call Memtetet. And uh, he met him, and the Malach, um, the, uh, who is Chanoch, he, uh, he was somebody that uh, was uh, very high in the hierarchy of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Like the Marash says that uh, he was one of the one of the people, if you will, that the people who were Nechnas the Pardes, people who came into this very secret garden, and they saw Matatron that was writing, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu was talking, said, how can it be? Are there Chasrom two Hashems? And because he saw that, he went completely, uh, Ben Azai went completely crazy when he saw that. Uh, Navi also, he went up, and some people say, Moshe Rabbeinu never died, he also went up as a Malach as well. 
Fascinatingly, there is a massive machloke between the Rambam, Maimonides, and the Ramban, Nachmanides, about whenever the Torah tells us that there are malachim that appear to somebody, do they actually appear? Or it was just a vision of these people seeing it in their mind, and it was real. It was a real discussion, a real something that was very real, but they didn't move from where they were prior to them uh, being there a few moments ago. So, the Rambam, the Maimonides writes, he says that this was when uh, when Avram Avinu lifted his eyes up and he saw what he saw, it's not literal. It doesn't mean he actually saw it. It means that in his mind he saw this vision and he saw Malachim coming and telling him. And it was sort of like a, a nouveau that he had, but it wasn't really that what was transpiring. Okay. The Ramban, however, Nachmanides, he argues, and he says, no, 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 what are you talking about? Why did the Torah go out of its way to tell me that, what, you think uh, the Torah has told stories? I mean, there's a reason why the Torah is telling us this. So he says, obviously it happened, if the Torah is telling us, and you have to read what we call Pshutosh Mikra, which is the simple meaning of the Sukkim, which is, this is exactly what, what, what happened. There were three, uh, visitors that came to visit. Avram Avinu did all what he did. And therefore says the Ramban, it ha- 100% happened. And there, there, there are many people go with that of the Ramban, Nachmanides, that uh, we say that the story actually happened. It was not just a metaphor. It wasn't just something that people dreamed. But rather it was actually for real. So this idea of having Malachim who are... Uh, playing music and uh, or they're let's say uh, giving like it says Adam Arishon they gave him a coast of Yayin or you have over here they're uh, they're visiting Avraham Avinu all these things that we say that you could talk about Malachim is Talui is, is it's dependent on the Machlokim between that of the Rambam and the Ramban now there are certain Minakim that people when it comes to Shalom Aleichem Friday night they refuse to acknowledge there are Malachim with them why? Because once you start there, there's a slippery code, already a slippery slope that once you say Malachim, maybe I'll mix it up with other things and Chas say the worst things possible. Obviously, that's going a little too far because many people do say Shalom Malachim and uh, they are not worried about it. There's a special that said in Slichot. Again, if uh, many people, they try to avoid saying that because they're going to do more damage than good. And one of the things that are a damaging, quote-unquote, uh, thing is that you're addressing the malachim, machniseh rachamim. Hey, you're talking about the ones that bring the rachamim. You ones, I'm talking to you, not the actual one behind again. I'm talking about the gatekeeper himself. You should listen to me. Now, many people obviously did not like that, but some people say that's what it was in the machsor. And obviously they knew people would never think of that, that it was the same thing. But since there is a possibility, therefore they, a lot of, they ban uh, same, saying that tefillah. Now, there are many reasons given as to why once we say Shalom Aleichem, literally three minutes later, we say Tzedchem Shalom. <laughs> what do you mean? You, you, they just got warmed up. They just saw what a beautiful family is. Everything's ready. Good to go. Why are we asking them to leave? So, Rav Yaakov Emdin in the Avetz, he says that it's not very nice for Malachim to see us. Sometimes when it comes to food, people get a little crazy, and he said uh, that's a little embarrassing, and obviously people wouldn't feel comfortable. We want people to feel comfortable and uh, be themselves, but more importantly, we want them to be able to have a derecheritz with one another. The previous Lubavitcher Rebbe write that since Malachim do not eat, it's not nice for us to eat while they can partake of anything. The Svat Emet writes, there's actually two sets of Malachim. There's one for Shabbat, and then there's one for the rest of the weekday. So we first greet the Shabbat ones, Shalom Aleichem. And then after they leave, we say, Tzedchem de Shalom, and we say their name.
um, the, there's a story that Rav Tzadok HaKohen, he one time said that on Shabbat, we are like a chatan and kala with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. At the start of Shabbat, the malachim come to join us with our wedding. And when we eat the meal, however, it's like our private time with Borei Alam, that we go to the Yichud room with just us and no one else. And therefore, a person should be aware of that, that it's a tremendous benefit for them to have something like that, that they could practice on the reading and realize they're not praying to Malachim, but rather they're praying to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And Mephoshim even goes so far as to say is that a person has to realize that as long as he's alive, he has the capacity to be even greater than a Malach. Because a Malach is capped at what they could do. However, a person who has to go through the struggles that they go through, and yet, Afal Piken, and still they persevere, that person is obviously going to be a great person, and they're higher than Malachim, because Malachim are Omdim, they just stand all the time, as opposed to people who are not standing all the time, they actually could sit, but these, uh, they, I don't, but these Malachim, they obviously were given a different type of standard when it comes to that. So what we learn from here is, that when Avram Avinu, when he had the Malachim coming to his home, it's a question if they were actually real or not. Machlum between the Rambam and the Ramban, whether or not we say it's real or not. And we see that there's different types of malachim that perform different types of shlichot, different types of, of services, and each one has a special role to play. And we should obviously thank HaKadosh Baruch Hu that he gives us malachim to overlook us and to make sure that we're always doing This audio series has been brought to you by the Sephardic Halakha Center. The center is committed to advancing research and application of halakha in the Sephardic community nationwide. For a halakhic consultation, monetary bedin services, to order this series or to sign up to receive the Sephardic halakha journal, or for all other information, please call 1-844-200-TSHC or email info at the shc.org to subscribe.